This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday, the 23rd of April, 2021. And so we're in the second quarter of 2021, the year that we thought we would have done with coronavirus by now. And we're approaching, I think, about the 1 billion mark of vaccines being delivered around the world. So let's take a bit of a stock take today. Uh, Well, Jess has asked us to do this anyway. She says, could you guys do a stock take for us on just exactly what is going on with COVID-19 right now? She's so confused by all the various elements. What is the outlook for the rest of this year at this point? Okay, so let's do a stock take. Jess, really good question. So far, 143 million cases worldwide as we record this coronacast, 3 million deaths. These are approximate figures in 192 countries and regions around the world. Here are the top six countries, or should we say the bottom six countries, in terms of um, infections and deaths. Way out in front is the United States with 31 million cases diagnosed, 568,000 deaths. India has had 15 million cases with 182,000 deaths. Generally recognised that's a gross underestimate because a very high percentage of people are turning up positive in testing. And if uh, CoronaCast listeners remember last year, one of the key variables here to know whether you're doing enough testing is that you really want the positives in your testing rate to be under 5%. In Australia, they're well under, they've always been pretty much under 1%. And I think it's up at 30% uh, in parts of India. So too little testing. So it's much, much worse than that in India. And they are now at record highs in terms of new cases, never been as high as this before. Number three is Brazil at 14 million. France, 5.5 million with 100,000 deaths. They're also getting a lot of new cases. The past month, past month I think, on rolling averages is pretty much as high as it's been, almost a record high, and Russia at 4.6 million. That gives you a sense of where things are at worldwide and the countries that are still doing badly. When it comes to vaccination, again, at the time of recording this coronacast, around about 950 million doses have been put out. That's about 16 million a day, 6.2% of the world's population. But if you actually delve down into those figures a bit further... The wealthiest countries have had 38.2% of the vaccinations, but they're only 10.6% of the world's population. If you look at the United States, where they're doing three or four million doses a day, depending on the day, 80% are to the wealthiest group in the United States, 20% to disadvantaged groups. So there is a growing disparity in terms of who's vaccinated. And we'll see that disparity as well in Australia because we're relying very heavily on general practice. And as we've said before on CoronaCast, because of the distribution of general practice, where GPs tend to practice in more affluent areas, you know, sweeping generalisation, but in general, when you look at it, Uh, disadvantaged areas are underserved by general practitioners. So we're going to see that as well. And that's a very big reason why we need high-throughput state-based centres to serve disadvantaged populations. Of course, it makes sense that Australia hasn't vaccinated as many people as other countries in the world at the moment because other countries in the world have had such high levels of case numbers and we've had very, very low ones. But if we want to rejoin the rest of the world, we really need to catch up. Yes. And then there's the variant story, which is incredibly complicated and it's constantly changing. There's a double mutation variant in India that people are worried about, but I think officially it's still considered a variant of interest rather than a variant of concern. The Brazilian variant, surprisingly, we still know very little about it, but it looks as though it's partially vaccine-resistant and probably more contagious. 
the South African one we know is more contagious and, and, and more vaccine resistant. And these are going to keep on popping up around the world. There's a Jap- Japanese variant. You know, there are thousands of variants in India, for example. When you've got the pandemic on the go again, every time this virus divides, it mutates. Most mutations are harmless, but some are going to mutate and survive because of the way we behave. So India, Africa, France even, you're just going to get new mutations arising which are resistant to either vaccines or the antibodies previously. To explain that, people who are, uh, who've got HIV or chemotherapy or have had transplants, they are more likely to produce variants that are resistant. But we've covered that in previous coronacasts. So that's kind of the stock take. And the vaccines, still a work in progress to see how well the vaccines perform. There are increasing reports of breakthrough infections, even with Pfizer. So they're reducing infections by maybe 80%, but that still means about 20% of people are vulnerable to reinfection. Uh, Studies from nursing homes in the United States. So the vaccines are not perfect. And what that's going to mean is a very high percentage of the population needs to be immunized. It's going to take another three months for America to get to 75% immunization. And they're doing three or four million immunizations a day. Just shows you what the task is. And we'll probably get to get 90% so that we've got very little virus circulating. It's not really herd immunity. It's more that you're less likely to get infected and virus is less likely to be transmitted. But in Australia's case, 10% of people vulnerable to infection is probably 100 times more people than have been infected to date. So it's still we're still at high risk. So I hope, Jess, that's enough of a stock take for you. Well, yeah, so to finish off, what's the outlook for this year at this point? We're not necessarily done and dusted by the end of this year. Well, if we haven't immunised low-income countries, then we're still going to get new variants being thrown off and they're going to travel by plane around the world, including to Australia. And we've seen in the last 24, 48 hours a lot more pressure on hotel quarantine, Northern Territory, South Australia, Western Australia, New South Wales, people circulating in the community, having been in hotels where it's probably circulated through the air and possibly have more contagious viruses. So this is just an open book at the moment, I'm afraid. So let's talk about vaccines a bit. And before we get to some questions from our listeners, uh, we had a TG, we had a response from the Therapeutic Goods Administration overnight in response to yesterday's episode where we were talking about these rare blood clots in people who've had uh, different vaccines. Yeah. And what they're saying is they have no, had no reports in Australia, but they're watching the overseas reports. 25 in I don't think it's changed since we recorded uh, yesterday, 25 in from Pfizer, five from Moderna. The problem is the denominator. And if you want to hear about denominators, I suggest you listen to yesterday's CoronaCast. They've given some denominator information, which shows that if there is a cause and effect relationship with the mRNA vaccines, it's at a fraction of the Astra vaccine. But this is still, you know, whether there's any relationship at all, it's still an open question. So this is a work in progress. And just to emphasise that in the TGA's response, they also said that there had been no confirmed cases of this thrombosis with thrombocytopenia syndrome, i.e. blood clots with low platelets, in people over 50 years in Australia. And for people under the age of 50 years, the rate seems to be about three per one million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine. So it's there, it's very, very rare, and it hasn't seemed to have happened in people over 50 at this stage. Let's go to Quick Fire Friday. So let's start with Andrew, who says, if I have my second vaccination, AstraZeneca, as scheduled in June and and subsequently undergo a COVID test, will I test positive to the virus? And if so, how long after the vaccination will I remain positive? 
question is, what do you mean by testing positive? So if you do a nose swab on you, you will not test positive because none of the uh, vaccines are live virus. They're all fragments of the virus. Will you have antibodies to COVID-19? You bet, because that's, vi- that's what the vaccines do. And you should have antibodies to them, quite strong antibody responses. Hamish asks, do you think it would be beneficial for people leaving quarantine to enter a surveillance and testing program for two weeks? Look, the answer is I don't know. Um, there have been very few late breakthrough infections, although they seem to be increasing in number with people getting diagnosed at 10 days and so on. And some of the variants seem to have a longer incubation period. So it, it may turn out to be the case. But the problem is interpreting the tests and actually the resources to cover it. Brian's asking what's the use of a vaccine anyway. Um, Brian says that he doesn't think there's any evidence that COVID vaccines can stop the spread of COVID. Uh, he says there's zero evidence that it can stop infection or transmission. Well, there's zero evidence yet, but there will be evidence. Well, well there's not quite zero evidence yet. There's circumstantial evidence with some data supported from Israel, where they've got about 55% people covered. There's certainly ev- strong evidence from Britain, where there's still got a fairly low percentage of people fully covered, but a high percentage with first dose coverage, where there's very low rates now of severe disease and hospitalization. And you're not seeing a fourth wave in the UK, and you're certainly not seeing a fourth wave in Israel. So circumstantially, there there is support for reduction in infection overall. Whilst there's still a risk because you've got vulnerable people, even though they've been vaccinated, If you've got the bulk of the population at very low risk of infection, and if you get infection, it's partially controlled, then that's going to help control any outbreaks. That's right. A vaccine has use to the individual, and we definitely have evidence that it does that. Uh, Jenny's asking about the pill again. Uh, Is the risk of clots forming in young women higher if they use the contraceptive pill? We've talked about this a bit. That's a really good question. And it's true that women are more commonly affected by the clotting than men. A lot of these women are actually in the older age group, sort of under 50, who are less likely to be in the pill. And I haven't seen any data in terms of the oral contraceptive. There's certainly no indication from any of the cases so far that they've had any propensity towards clotting in general. It's primarily an immune phenomenon, not a clotting problem, even though the clotting is the complication of the immune phenomenon. So there's nothing to suggest that being on the pill changes the likelihood of the immune phenomenon. And lastly, Susan says uh, she had the flu shot last week and had reactions that she hadn't previously experienced, aches, pains, general malaise. And she's wondering whether there's something about the flu vaccine this year that's similar to AstraZeneca or if it's the same as the one she always would have had. Well, it's a different concoction from last year. And it, it may well be that it was a slightly higher dose of vaccine. Maybe there was a slightly diff- Maybe it was a different brand with a different... Uh, adjuvant, which is the stimulant in there to create the immune response. But certainly what you've had is a strong immune response to the flu vaccine, which is good news. The the other thing about the flu vaccine is that it's only about 60% effective. Therefore, it's quite possible in previous influenza immunizations, you've not had much of an immunity response. And this one you have. Well, that's good news, I guess. Uh, Anyway, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today and for this week. As always, folks, send in your questions by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you on Monday. See you then. 